And we'll see you guys. You have a great time. Thanks, guys. They're still jumping up and down. That is like awesome. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this morning and for this day that you've given us. Time to come together, a time to to listen, to hear your voice, to hear your word, to worship, to praise you. And Lord, I pray and I claim in your name, in the name of Jesus, that as we seek you, that we might find you. No matter where we're at in our life right now, no matter the questions we're asking, no matter the seek we're seeking, no matter the knock we're knocking, we desire you, for you to be with us, to speak to us, that we might hear your voice. And Lord, I know sometimes it just seems hard, and I'm claiming this morning we might set aside distractions that might be trying to hinder us from hearing your word, from worshiping. Lord, that we might set them down, because I know, Lord, I know there's so many. I don't, I don't take that lightly. I know they're there. I know things try to come against us. And, Lord, I know there's those in this room that right now, a season of time of praise and thanksgiving, things are good, and they're good because of you. We're thanking you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like for us to turn to John 14, so... There are some Bibles, and the New King James is what I'm reading out of, if you kind of want the context uh, around you, underneath the chairs. If not, open your Bible or open up your uh, phone or whatever you might have for the Word of God. And if not, be a listener. And we'll, we're going to talk this morning about no turning back. Anyone ever go on a trip? And you just knew you were heading in the wrong direction, but there's no turning back. You couldn't turn back? Not very many, but you know what? I, we had the opportunity. Anyone ever go to Green Bay? Wisconsin? Okay, then you know what I mean, because we were two hours heading to Green Bay, which I thought is where we wanted to go on our honeymoon, not to Green Bay, but heading that way. We're two hours into the trip before we realized we were on a peninsula, and we weren't anywhere near where we were going. And the, but there was no turning back. I mean, you know, did, did, we're already two hours into this thing and coming up on Green Bay. And Trish and I are just going, well, what do we do? It's, it's in the middle of the night. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning, I think. Um, yeah, believe it or not, our, when we got married, <laughs> it was fun. We were the last ones to leave our reception. We were having such a blast. We left at 1.30 in the morning to head out for our honeymoon. It was awesome. It was really cool. But we went all the way from Traverse City to Green Bay, which was about six and a half, seven hours-ish, something like that. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where really we, we might know the answers. I mean, we had a map. We might know we should turn around, but we kept questioning whether or not surely we can go to Green Bay and still find our way back. We had no idea it was a dead-end thing. Today I want to talk about this. You know, sometimes in life we need to make a decision. We need to make a decision whether we're going to embrace changes that come into our life. You know, we've been talking about trials and temptations. Whether we're going to embrace them, receive what God has for us to receive from them, to grow from them, and to push on with God in whatever it might be. And that's tough. 
You want to know how tough it is? Let's read this together. We're going to find out how tough it is. John 14, it says this. Let your heart, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And this is Jesus speaking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And then Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. What? Did you just read what I read? Did you just hear what I read? This is crazy. I mean, I don't mean like God's word is crazy, but think about this. Here Jesus has spent all this time walking with his disciples. His disciples, one-on-one, night and day, camping out, going ministry to ministry, miracles, people that were dead brought to life. You know what I'm saying? Healing done. People that were sick all their life or blind all their life. All of a sudden, all this, all these things. And the disciples are walking, 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 walking. And then all of a sudden, though, they hear a different tone in Jesus' voice. He starts to say a little bit, a little bit of different things that things are going to change. And the disciples are going, well, okay, yeah, yeah, we know. We were following you, Jesus. It's okay. It's, it's okay. And, and the next thing you know, we come to this place where Jesus starts telling them, I'm going to go. And, and I'm, I, I'm not going to read anything into this more than what it is. But it, it, to me, it's clear from the responses and the interaction here, they didn't really understand what was going on. Even though by now, they should have. You know how, why I say that? He says, he says this, I, I am, uh, let me go back to verse 4. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas says, Lord, we do not know. Now, why would Jesus say that they knew, and then he says, I don't know? When, um, when I came back from work yesterday or working in, in a field, say to Trish, if you will, this is an example. Say to Trish, hey, did you happen to contact so-and-so? And she says, well, no. I says, well, I, but I gave you the, the number and stuff, and you happened to contact her. And she said, well, I didn't know. I said, well, yeah, but we talked about it. She goes, no, I thought you meant something else. That's kind of what's going on here. Jesus is walking very closely with his disciples. They know that he's the son of God. They know this. This is clear to them. But then the next thing you know is he's starting to say change is coming. They can feel it in the air. And then he says that he's going to go. 
And they're thinking, well, why, why are you saying you're going to go and you're going to prepare the way? And what is the way? We don't know the way. You never told us the way. And they're thinking that Jesus is going to create a physical kingdom, for lack of a better way to say it. So when he said, you know the way, it's kind of like, you know, it'd be like uh, if I said, hey, you guys, I need you to go to uh, Sebring to a certain address and I'll meet you there in an hour. You know the way. And you go, what do you mean I know the way? I don't know the way. You got a map? You got some, some way to tell me how to get there? Well, they did have a map. Because Jesus is walking with them, talking with them. He's sharing with them. He's telling them all along that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 7 again. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. If, if we really believe that God is real, and we've come to a place where we understand who Jesus is, God in the flesh, he came on this earth, to be the final once and for all sacrifice for our sins. He was crucified, buried, he rose again. And within our heart, if we've repented and believed, and we say, yes, I put my trust in you, Jesus, as my Savior. But then we find ourselves saying, but show me. Just show me. Show me something. Do you ever find yourself doing that? I mean, you know what I mean. I, I, I always say I could be, I could have, I could put a mirror up there, and I, and I literally, could just have it reflect back. There's times I say, God, I know your word. I've prayed about this. I've received what you have me to do. I know the truth. I know what you want me to do. I know change is coming. I believe you're the God of miracles. I believe you're a God that's in control. Right? And then for some reason, I still look up into heaven and say, but show me. And man, all I can know is like Jesus with his disciples, he says, but but I have. But, but I have shown you. you. You know the way. You know my word. You know what I want. It's tough. Change is tough. Trials are tough. Temptations are tough. Let's um, turn ahead to John 17. This is our main text for this morning. And I'm going to read a little bit, so kind of follow along. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, 
glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you had with you before the world was. Verse 3 says this, and this is eternal life that you may know that they may know you the only true God. How many true gods are there? So as he's speaking here, he's he's Jesus is at a place where he again knows what's down the road. He knows uh, Easter's coming. He knows that he soon will be crucified and he will be buried. Now he knows he'll rise again, but he knows it's going to be a long, painful death. I mean, he knows all this. And he, he goes to the garden, and I'm not going to go into a lot of background here, but he goes to the garden to pray, to engage his father, the God he knows, the God he knows, Jesus knows, that is in control. There's no doubt. The God that he knows that there's a future for him, but still he knows what's coming. And not with Jesus, but with us, I think that's where we struggle the most is the unknown, of course. You know, we don't always know what is coming. Jesus knew what was coming. We don't always know what is coming. But yet, we turn and we pray and we say, God, I trust you. I love you. You give me your word. You give me your spirit. I know where you're taking me. And then I get to this verse 3 and it says, And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's personal. God came in the flesh, sent his son Jesus for a reason that we can settle once and for all in our hearts who he really is. And that's what he was trying to say back, or not trying, he was saying back in John 14 to his disciples. We need to settle this. You already know who I am. Do you get the parallel there? You already know who I am. You know the way, but we don't know the way, Thomas says. You know the way, but Philip says, but show me. But they knew. If you're in this room or you're on the web, and you know you've come to a place where you're a believer. I know sometimes terminology can be interesting. You know, I told you my story, 32 years old, first time I went to church. Well, actually, 20, 21 or 3. When, when, 21. That was the first time we went to church. And, and the bottom line is there, we, went, we were there about 10 minutes because then they were playing some songs saying something about the blood of the lamb. And, and, and we just went, and we kind of just freaked out. Seriously, we never went to church. We thought we went to a cult. A little side note here. You don't believe me, do you? I'm telling you, that's what really happened. We thought we were in a cult, and they were going to, actually, we didn't know if they were going to sacrifice our baby or what the deal was. We did, we really, we were literally just going, what? And back in those days, I was like a mean machine, 21 years old, right? Used to work out and stuff, and I said, Trish, follow me. She goes, what? I said, I ain't staying here. And it'd be like those doors right there. We turned, and I ran, and I threw myself up against those doors. They busted open, and I ran, man. I, I guess now, now that I think about it, hindsight is I, I left you. 
She's running with our Eleanor, our firstborn. Ah, you know. Never went to church again until I was 32 years old. Sometimes things just seem odd. In the physical realm, we, we can't understand the spiritual realm. And here Jesus is speaking, and, and he's praying to the Father, and he says, this one thing, Father God, and that, that, I, that I grab is, is that they, right here, they may know what eternal life really is. And the only way it's found is through one true God, not a fake God, not an idol God, not a little G God, not someone else's God, but the God, creator God. And, that's a key word right there, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, we can know God, right? By his very creation, his word tells us that we know his very attributes. I love to walk. I love to hike. I love the prayer walk on Sunday mornings. And because I, because I do, uh, Greg, you mentioned creation, seeing him in creation. I do see God. And I, I, for lack of a better way to say it, I don't know how else to say it. I hear him. I feel him. I, I just, how do you not? You know? And I just know that he exists. But we can know there's a God because his attributes are given through creation. Doesn't mean we know Jesus. Doesn't mean we understand where he says, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, creator God, the one that created us in his image, the one that has put us in a place where we can see, we can see his very attributes in creation and the birds and the animals and, and the mountains and the, just the majesty of, of, of the universe. And, you know, we, we just know in our heart, whether we go to church or not, there's a God, there's a God. And then we need to take that deep breath because God's love for us is so much. And our sin against him is so big. This chasm takes place and we, we're separated from him, from God. And God sent his one and only son that he might become the bridge between us and him. There is, there is no other way in the world. I can, I can walk in creation. I can receive the majesty of uh, his work, of God's work. But as he was saying in John 14 and going to continue to say in John 17, there's only one way to God, though, and it's through the cross. He became the bridge that we might be reconciled to God one-on-one, personally, that we may know him. The disciples back in John 14 were walking with him. And again, the miracles, he already showed them more than they needed. And he thus has already showed us more than we need through creation, through his word and his spirit. We have enough knowledge, guys, of God. We, we, we know him better than we think. And then we know. But change is coming. Every day we're confronted with something that wants to take us away from his glory. Every day, every day. Let's read on to uh, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they kept your word. 
Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the word which you have given me, and they have received them. And I have known surely that I come forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Jesus came to reconcile us back to God, to manifest, which which um, this may, I don't, I don't want this to seem silly, but who would say, I'm not sure what the word manifest means, or should I say, who, know, who knows you believe, I don't put someone on the spot, you know what the word manifest means. You know what it means. You know what the word, so then there's a lot of people that don't. So if I said, the, who doesn't know what the word manifest means? Okay, if I said, you ain't going to raise your hand this morning, I don't care what you do. Who would say that? Let's, that thank you. I got like more hands on that than I did. Uh... Okay, who is here this morning? Just checking. <laughs> All right, well, I want us to manifest that. So if you are here this morning, I want you to stand. I just want you to stand. I know, I'm sorry, you got like notes and stuff and. But it's okay, it's okay. But if you're here this morning, I want you to stand. If you're not here this morning and you can't stand, then that's another sermon for another time. (laughs) Somewhere else. Okay, as simple as this may seem, I just woke three people up. No, just kidding. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've had a long week, and actually I'm kind of tired, so forgive if I go there. Okay, so... Take a deep breath. Okay. You are here. And when you stood, you manifested yourself in being here. Meaning you showed yourself. Um, You went from a place of sitting to a place of of being, standing. Thank you. Oh, you're so sweet. As simple as that, do you understand? There, there's there when when Jesus said I manifested you God he's saying literally I came from a place heaven I came from you God and I manifested myself I became real I moved from heaven to earth and I went here you can see me you can't deny that you were just sitting and now you just stood do, do you, as simple as that get is do you get it there's something different, something that changes. Have a seat. And I really did wake up three people, but that's okay. You guys are awesome. So, you know, in, in, in what we're talking about here in verse 8 when he says, Father God, I gave them your words. They received your words. And they believed your words. It's not a matter of them not knowing. Get it? God manifested himself through his son, Jesus. Jesus clearly showed, in this case, to the disciples and all those who believed. This is not just the disciples. Or if they believed, they were the disciples. But I'm talking about the apostles. It's not just the, 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 the apostles as well. Then he goes on and he's praying. And verse 9 says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, 
but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those who you gave to me, I kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition. That is, the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the word, and the world has hated them, because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Jesus knows what's what's coming. He knows the changes that are going to happen. And he knows... He knows that his disciples are going to struggle. See, see, of course, Jesus is not callous toward that. Again, I refer back to 14. I'm going back and forth a little bit here because of the relationship in 14 we see and then the prayer that Jesus is praying for the disciples in that relationship in 17. And the thing is, Jesus is not being callous, of course. He knows that his disciples don't really understand the change that's coming. And they have basically two responses to that. They can turn and walk away, which many did. Turned and walk away, or or they can embrace Christ, not themselves. Not their preferences. They can embrace Christ and the word of God. And by faith and by obedience, move ahead. But we're still not without knowledge and wisdom. We're still not without revelation of the word of God. What do I mean by that? We don't move ahead blindly. We don't, we don't receive change just because we're supposed to. You know, you ever have, you ever have like a parent, well, I guess. You ever have like a parent say, don't do that. And you go, why? And what what would a lot of parents say? Because I said so, or I told you so. (laughs) And sometimes we do it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we say we will, and sometimes we don't, right? See, in this case... If we have a relationship with God and we put our trust in Christ, then then we know. Now, we might not be a student of the Word of God, which I want to encourage us to, to be one, to be in the Word, to be in prayer, to, to understand what God wants. I don't, I don't think there's, you know, a lot of ignorance for a believer or a claim of ignorance for a believer. Well, you know, I just didn't know. Because we always have the Spirit of God quickening our heart to know better. Just like we love our children. And sometimes we can get upset with them. Sometimes we have to discipline them. Sometimes we have to 
engage them so that what? So that they'll change and grow and mature and not get in trouble when they get older or get hurt. Oh, my. Can you imagine an undisciplined child, period? That is like, can you imagine if you just said, well, I don't care. Just do what you want. I know you're only three. It's okay. No. And how, how, long, how long do our children remain to be our children? Forever. And I know, I know, I know. And, and some of us, even in this room, have had children pass. We're still our children. We'll never stop wanting the best for our children doesn't seem like that sometimes. And if you're the child, it probably never seems like that. If you're a, a youth, it, I know it never seems like that. But it's true. We want the best, and so does God. We want the best for us, and that's what John 17, this whole prayer is about, is Jesus. Why, listen, do, do you think Jesus was close to God? Do you, think, do you think that Jesus had a personal relationship with God? Very, very close. Okay, so if they're so close, which they were, and if their relationship was so tight, which it was, then why do you think he, had, he was praying a prayer that God already knew? What? Oh, for us. Thank you. That's awesome. I thought you were telling me my mic went out. I'm going, no, you hear me. Thanks, guys. Yes, for us. You guys were excited about that, too. You all need to come up front. No, 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 no. Okay. I love it. I love it. So look. Verse 15 says, Sanctify them by your truth, and your word is truth. How do we draw close to, to God? How do we have this relationship that Jesus had and has with his Father? As we draw close to him and we speak to him. See, when Jesus was praying, I, I will say this. This is something that's interesting. In verse 13, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world. That's interesting. So yes, God knew the heart of Christ. And yes, Jesus knew the heart of his Father. And, and some might say, because I asked prior to today, some might say, well, he prayed this prayer so that it would be in the Bible so we could read it. Well, okay. But, you know, I want to, you know what I say? I, I agree with that, you know. But, but I say this. I speak in the world. As Jesus was praying to the Father, I don't know, but since it's, these are the words of Jesus, I assume it was out loud. It was verbally. It was spoken. The spoken word of God was put into the air. I don't know if this is a stretch for some of you, but think about it. The word of God was spoken into the air, and it becomes reality. It was manifested. Just like you're sitting, I ask you to stand. You manifest yourself. You're now standing. As Jesus is praying to the Father, he's saying, God, you've given me these people. You've given me these people, and I've done what you asked me to do. I have manifested you. I have given them your word. They know that their sin separates them from you, but I have come, but they might be reconciled. How do they know that? Because I spoke it. 
And Jesus is praying a prayer to the Father, not simply because we can read it one day. He's speaking it into the air. His word is manifested. How was this world even created? It was spoken into existence. And Jesus is speaking this prayer from the heart of the Father out loud into the world back to God. Oh, it's so awesome. I mean, if you... If you just grab that a second. And here we are on this earth. If you're a believer in Christ. And he's speaking to us through his word. Through his spirit that we might manifest him to the world. I don't know about you, but sometimes it takes me like 40 minutes to get to the two minutes that I just feel like God wants us to really grab. God really desires that we manifest him and then the other things fall into place. They really, 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 really do. When change comes our way, we will embrace change. When things come against us, I'm not saying we'll necessarily embrace the tragedy or the hurt or the pain, but I will say what we will embrace is our relationship with our Father. And then he walks with us through the pain. And gives us his peace and the wisdom and the knowledge that we need. Ryan, did I mess you up too bad when I didn't play that video up front? Okay. I want us to watch a short video. And then we'll pray and give this some some thought. How do we grow? By strength or resolve? Can we make it so? Can we shape the course of our lives according to our purpose and designs? Or add a single hour to the measure of our time? How can we ever venture into what is unknown when we are incapable of the smallest change on our own? Looking back over the span of our lives, we can see the marks that testify to how far we've come, how much we've grown, how much of His grace we have been shown. The marks of maturity on our lives, the evidence of the work of Christ, the seed that He has planted in our heart. The Lord has also watered and will refine every part. It is His intention to give it growth. Until it comes to fruition, He has sealed it with His oath that He who began this good work in you will see it through. In this lies our hope, not in what we do. But we do not grow alone. Our roots are intertwined, one with another so that your strength is mine. While we wait in expectation, 
no growth can be seen. The tender shoots that so quickly spring up must grow strong, lest they remain frail and green. Would we be overwhelmed by perils in store that his timing seeks to prepare us for? Let us endure our trials with patience, for it's in his goodness that we trust and hold fast to our commitment, resting in his faithfulness to us. His goal is for our good. On this our assurance falls, that he who began this good work will surely make it grow tall. So, change is coming. I know that and believe that God is calling his church to manifest itself. And it could be said to be true throughout the generations for a hundred, a thousand, two thousand years. I understand. But as God has prepared four corners, four CBC, and as he's made a culture and a people, and as he brings people in to his body, to his church, he calls us like Jesus called and is calling his disciples to manifest God to the world. And we're not in it alone. I know sometimes it seems like, well, but I can't talk to people or I can't do this, I can't do that. It's not the point. It's embracing what God desires for us to do. And you don't give up. No matter what's facing you. I I mean that. I've had things face me where I wanted to give up and praise God as I sought his word and prayed. He gave me his peace and his understanding. It didn't make it, well, made it easier. I was going to say it didn't make it any easier. It made it way easier, but I still had to go through the trial and the struggle. Don't give up. And don't read anything into this more than the scripture there's a, there's there's not a, a a big stirring going on or but this I know every one of us has something that tries to get come against us and change is one of the biggest things there is so as God comes in to four corners I'll be a little I'll narrow it right down into His people one day. Soon, he's going to enter through those doors. He's going to come into this sanctuary. I know this by faith and by his word. Don't, I'm not trying to be prophetic here, although that is being prophetic if you go by his word. And he's going to look at us, and he's going to go rise and go manifest me. Yeah. 
and families will get healing. People will be touched. Salvation will come to his glory. That's what he says. It's not because I'm saying it. It's because of what he says. You guys are awesome. I mean that. I can imagine Jesus turning to his disciples and going, God is good. You know that. You just, a few days, you're not going to understand. But it's all going to come together if you trust me and believe in me. You're the ones that are going to manifest me to the world. Ah, it's awesome. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Tony, I heard you talk many times already about who Jesus is. He's the son of God and he came to reconcile us back to God. And you kept referring to uh, if you're a believer, if you're saved. And I'm serious. I I realize some of that terminology could not be known. I mean, I, I was 32 years old and never understood any of those words. So whether you're 12 or 112 and you're in this room or on the web listening, it doesn't mean just because you're listening you're here that you know God. Throughout the sermon, I I think that's clear. You can know God but not Jesus at all. So the opportunity this morning to just take that deep breath and be still and say, God, you know, I know you're real and I know I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe in my heart because I believe you're telling me through your word. You're talking to my heart that you send your son, you sent your son to manifest you to me that I might see the reality of my sin and I might see the reality of my need to be saved. And that by your son, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one. It's not by any other means or any other God. And the only proof I have is, is, is this, faith, the Word of God, and the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God reveals to us the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you're here this morning and that truth is speaking to you, God is speaking to you, His Word is speaking to you, today is the day of your salvation. There, There is no other day. If you understand it and God's revealing that to you today, today's the day of your salvation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, your goodness. And Father, we, we do believe that today's the day of salvation. This is the day you brought. This is the day that you are here. You're here in this place. And if there's anyone in this room you're, you're, you're speaking to, you're, you're speaking into their heart with a still small voice that says, today's the day, repent, turn from living life your way and put your trust in me as your Savior. I am the way to the Father. If that's you this morning, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I just, I'm going to ask to see where to pray, if I need to pray. And you say, Pastor Tony, God is pulling out of my heart to be saved this morning, to put my trust in him. Would you put your hand in the air? If so, I'll, I'll pause and pray. I won't point you out. But is there anyone here this morning that say, 
Pastor Tony, today's the day of my salvation. Just put your hand in the air. Is there anyone? Okay. Who here might say this? Pastor Tony, I don't like I don't like change. But but God's telling me to embrace it, to trust him. To believe. Who would say that? Raise your hand as a testimony. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Father, by your goodness and grace, salvation come to your house today. Touch the heart of those that believe, that know you. Help us to see clearly with discernment, your word and wisdom, to rise and to manifest your word to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. If I could have the ushers come forward, please. We're going to receive our...